0: This is The Freestyle Way.
1: What's up, my friends, and welcome back to The Freestyle Way podcast. My name is Carl Pauli. I'm your host. And this is episode 12 featuring my friend Kimmy Moss. And Kimmy is someone I met a few years ago when she attended one of my seminars and later reached out to me as she was making a move to the West Coast, to work with XPT, to train at Deuce Gym with Logan Gelbrick and his team, and also pursue her new project, which she calls Rhetoric in Motion. Kimmy is someone that I've gotten to know through Lifestyle Design, which is a coaching offering that I have that's dedicated to uh, your mindset, to your body, and to your business, and developing a way of talking about what you're developing in a way that people can relate to and through lifestyle design uh, she eventually became one of the people to attend the first ever insider which is an exclusive event that i started last year and i uh launched in london and uh There, at the Insider, Kimmy uh, was one of the scheduled speakers. And this was part of her graduation. And I knew that Kimmy had something in her, but it wasn't until the day of the Insider when she stepped onto the floor that I realized that she was pure fire. And Kimmy is someone that, when it comes to rhetoric, is... Uh, Someone that I'm fascinated by because she's able to talk about it from all different perspectives and she applies it directly to human performance in a way that I think we can all relate. And in this conversation, we got into all aspects of what rhetoric is and how you can put it into play or, as Kimmy says, into motion. And that's what this is. And I, I listened to this episode the other day. I was sitting on my couch and I decided, you know, I'm just going to listen back and maybe skip through a little bit just so I, I can get a reminder. And within six minutes, I got sucked into the episode. And then I caught myself, I found myself texting Kimmy just saying, oh my goodness, I'm loving the episode. This is amazing. And uh, I really did enjoy this conversation in the moment. But when I listened to it again... I realized how valuable that conversation really was and how much information there is jam-packed in this one-hour and ten-minute conversation. So what I'm going to suggest to you right now is that you press pause and you go pick up a pen and piece of paper and start taking notes, especially towards the end when Kimmy just starts laying it all out so uh without further ado here's kimmy moss on the freestyle way podcast i hope you enjoy and i'll check in with you guys on the back end
0: guys got a nice voice yeah no but like from a young age he was always like reporting like scores and like sports games and
2: is that yeah. is that what he focused on or what
0: yeah he like went like head first in it
2: that's awesome um I've always wondered about radio. So my first experience going to... I was interviewed on radio uh, after a big championship in Spain. Uh, I went to this uh, radio station with my friends and uh, I was going to get interviewed and... I thought they would hand you the questions beforehand and you would read Mm -hmm. off and they would tell you what to answer, basically.
0: Even like a teleprompter, like something scripted. Yeah, it was
2: scripted. And here I am just like freaking out because I didn't know uh, what to say. But it was was a super great experience. And ever since I've been like, oh, my God, radio is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that.
0: But you also can't show, you can only show one part of it. So then the people listening can like use their imagination.
2: But that's why now they stream stuff and, uh, yeah. you know, they they, um, they put it on YouTube and stuff and you can watch them live and people like to see who's speaking. Yeah. Does, is their your, gestures,
0: it, like I like to see that stuff. That's awesome. He's definitely not. It's like he's in his pajamas. No, he's not. <laughs> he's definitely not in his pajamas. He wears, you know, nice clothes to work. You want to feel good. But that's that's awesome. radio that like you don't see. That's like yeah. old school radio.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? We're we're live. Oh okay. it's happening. Uh, hi. Hi, Kimmy. <laughs> How you feel?
0: I feel like we're gonna have a good conversation yes.
2: this morning. Like I was telling you uh, before we went on here is that I want it to be a lesson on rhetoric. Uh, because Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I'm curious about rhetoric. First first of all, what, what is rhetoric?
0: Okay, so it's the faculty of observing both sides of a question. So think of like any debate, any topic for, against, it's your ability to see both sides of that and then choose that side and then go from there. Knowing that even if you're for something, you can understand what it would be to be against it.
2: Can you give me an example of that?
0: You give me an example of well, that.
2: I, I don't know. I'm asking you the question. So I, I asked For or against ice baths? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm against. <laughs> this podcast <laughs> is over. <laughs> I'm against ice baths at this very moment, but uh, I jump in the cold pool every time I'm around it or I get into cold water because I think it's fun and awesome and I can appreciate uh, a little cold polar plunge. Absolutely,
0: And someone who is literate, I guess, in rhetoric, uh, it's easier to have a conversation with them because I'm like, oh, Carl, yes, I have an obsession with the ice and I really like ice baths, but I respect that. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Versus you're like, oh, I don't do ice baths. And so it's hard to talk about rhetoric without talking about dialogue, the exchanges that we have with each other, and then also interpersonal communication. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now we're looking into all these other factors because it's less about proving a point and more about, you know, facilitating connection.
2: That's awesome. Well, we got serious real quick, huh?
0: That's like the name of my game. (laughs) That's
2: amazing. Uh, What are you excited about at this moment when it comes to the work that you're doing, uh, especially with rhetoric and motion? Like what's happening with all that?
0: Okay. So I just, like, I just love thinking about communication and like studying people it's a game I can do anywhere. Like I can be in the grocery store. I'm observing the cashier. What is his interaction like? If I crack a joke, if I say something stupid. Yesterday, I literally sprinted to like go grab some broccoli by the time my, uh, my groceries were done. And he's like, you made it back. And I'm like, I do what I can, you know? And he's like laughing. The people behind me are like clapping. It's like, you know, how can we play with it? Uh, what I'm really excited about is I'm actually uh, almost done with my NLP practitioner,
2: Which is neuro-linguistic programming.
0: Yeah, which sounds like some chicken shit, but (laughs) (laughs) it's really cool.
2: Yeah, so it is cool.
0: Yeah, I think so, because it's more of we're actually studying, like, what's the science going on in the brain? You know, so it's not just this, like, voodoo, like, I'm mind-reading you, Carl. But I can tell by your eye contact... If you're recalling from a memory, if it's more visual, you're looking
2: left or right, visual,
0: or? audio, or if you're constructing something, if it taps into kinesthetic, you know something you feel, uh, physical or emotional, um, and now you're just locking eyes dead with it. Well, I, I was
2: actually thinking about yeah, um, let me yeah. stare into your. No, eyes. that was
0: me yesterday. I was trying to game my classmates. Like,
2: uh. see, that's interesting. When you know too much, do you start acting different?
0: Okay. I love that you brought that up because, uh, you know, you talk about what do you like about rhetoric? I'm always thinking about communication, my walk on the beach during my lunch break yesterday in my head, I'm like, awareness is like a disease (laughs) awareness. It's like a disease or it's a superpower. Mm. And I think, uh, one thing I didn't realize earlier, and maybe a lot of people don't realize necessarily is that, you know, awareness is like a dial and, uh, you can have the capacity to have more awareness, but if you don't have the capacity or i shouldn't say capacity, but if you don't have the ability or you're not willing to within context dial it up or down based on what serves you be specific you're gonna drive yourself crazy. I know this because i've I've been there a couple times
2: yeah i I mean so one thing that I, I I I sometimes complain about is, man, I feel like I see too much mm-hmm. of the world to be able to turn my back on it sometimes. Yes. And I think I think that's where there's something interesting about Rhetoric, which is what I want to get into. And as of right now, all we know is rhetoric is being able to see both sides of a question, for example, yeah. uh, hold two thoughts uh, at once and have space for that. Uh, we know that rhetoric is important because of communication, mm-hmm. but now we're into this awareness piece. And and the thing that I, I um, have learned over the years, and I w- I'm curious to see what you think about this, is that. Um, for me, one of the highest degrees of responsibility as a human being is being able to acknowledge that something exists in the world, is present or is happening, uh, give it space in my uh, brain, in my body, uh, and choose how to act uh, on it, whether it's towards it or against it or away from it. And just the conscious effort of knowing how i'm acting towards uh something that exists let's say let's say there's a, a hurricane and uh, there's big devastation and uh, not y- yeah <laughs> enter sound that was effects. not sound effects <laughs> um enter enter sound effects uh and and let's say you, you know you could help uh, if you went out there, or you sent money, or uh, resources, mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, but maybe in your personal life right now, you're you're having your own crisis, and you you can't uh, physically go there. So how do you hold ooh. those through? Right? Do ooh, you see what ooh, I'm ooh. saying? There's
0: a lot we could go with here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
2: I think we deal with this uh, at a micro level a lot every day, and I'm working on taking responsibility for consciously seeing, accepting, and respecting what is, and then mm-hmm. choosing how to act on it.
0: Yes, and and I think it first starts with, am I going to react or not? And if you feel that, hey, I can impact this situation, this person in a positive way, and I feel like I have the toolkit to do that, you feel that, and and only you know, right? That pull of like, mm, I could help with this, that gut feeling, mm-hmm. and only I know for me, Uh, you know, not like half-assing it and be like, maybe I could help. No, no, no. You're going to help or you're not. And if you're not, let it go. Move on to the next thing. Because there's a, a, there's a lot of negative feedback and extra baggage and unnecessary uh, communication that's not helpful. You know, it's like unsolicited advice. Like, bro, I'm not asking for your, I've said this in a rhetoric and motion post before. I'm not asking for your seven-step process on how to do X, Y, Z. I just want to, do something quickly and effectively right now. Not to say that, you know, lists aren't a bad thing, Um, but it all comes down to as well, like, hey, if you're gonna help that other person, and this is where NLP can come into it a little bit, recognizing that your map of the world, the way you see things is inherently different than every single other person's map of the world. And so by being aware of the words that you choose, being aware of this individual, and how they might react based on some of the words that you choose. First of all, do they understand the words that you're saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that it's not just about the words as well, because guess what? Your nonverbal body language is more powerful than your verbal body language. And if we go down a rabbit hole in NLP, we know that most words that people are saying initially without that longer form conversation... That's like surface area like think of the think of the iceberg like oh we can talk about vulnerability and open-minded and you know I have so much compassion, do you? Let's go there you know and, and maybe yeah. you do and, and I I don't say it in a way that I doubt any of these words uh, but we also have to realize with rhetoric that it comes with this interpersonal connection that it comes with this unpacking of what is it that we're really after? The want and the needs that need to be met, and that's why we step in and use our rhetoric and and you know expand on our interpersonal communication. Like that's why we do those things.
2: Yeah. So it, it's interpersonal, and uh, at the same time, it can be intrapersonal. Oh, right, absolutely. So I know we're getting super geeked out about this already. Uh, so let's. Why don't we do Everybody's this? Everybody's like, we're, "Rein it in." Yeah. Well, now we know rhetoric mm-hmm. is is important, and there's a lot to it. But it's <laughs> only
0: one piece of the pie.
2: There's, there's only one piece of the pie. So before we start seeing all the other pieces, I want to, I want to get to how, how did you arrive at a point where you're like, yeah, rhetoric is my thing. Like, where does that come from? Tell me that story.
0: First of all, it's a great word just to say it rhetoric. Like that's nice. And I also like things that, uh, haven't become cliche yet. So when everybody starts talking about rhetoric after this podcast, no, I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, I'll be like, uh, time for a new word. Okay. So, uh, quick rebound, rewind. When I was getting my master's in communication, I took a class called "The Rhetoric and Aesthetics of Everyday Life." We read Aristotle. We learned about uh, rhetoric. We learned about uh, there's also like the poetics, so looking at art and you know how we communicate that way. But um, read a lot of philosophy, some Nietzsche, some dense, heavy shit, and I was like, "This is amazing!" Because the class opened up. Uh, my perspective that the way we learn is is inherently like, you know, framed based on whoever your teacher is. And are you aware of like that framing, that it's limited and it has to be limited. Otherwise it's like, what am I gonna learn? The world, like you gotta start somewhere. Uh, but just being open to all these different perspectives. And so I always had this like little soft spot in my heart for rhetoric. Cause I thought, wow, you know, there's so much more to the words than just the word and that sounds like super cliche uh but i basically have gone throughout you know my life being this athlete that also is really into words and how people communicate and the whole rhetoric emotion thing uh came from you can't have one in isolation you know and uh not to like geek out here but paulo ferre Pedagogy of the Oppressed is a really cool book that I read during that Rhetoric and Aesthetics of Everyday Life. (laughs) It sounds so silly now (laughs) in class. Uh, No, it's awesome. But the idea that dialogue, uh, the essence of it is the word. So words, okay, this is rhetoric. And that word is a praxis. It's action and reflection. So for all these things that we're learning, all this we could talk about rhetoric. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But if we're not putting it in play, in motion, then there's an emptiness to
2: it. Ah, now I get
0: you. So my whole thing, and Gabby calls me high voltage. I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, descriptive, you know, adjective there. But I have always found that my rhetoric feels more comfortable and natural, uh, organic, without being cliche, when I pair movement with it, and that could be walking down the street before I have a phone conversation. Or like walking with a friend. Uh, it could also be, you know, for any teacher, coacher, and I wear both of those hats, like not just learning in the classroom and practicing out loud to yourself or one other person, but like hop in the classroom, teach the class. So I don't yes. know if that makes sense. But motion can go in all these different ways. Yeah, I, th- I think... But it's necessary.
2: I, yeah, I think it's important to not just... um Think about words as these static things, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's a constantly changing uh, language code. Uh, it 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 gets people thinking about different things, feeling different things, and therefore acting different. Yeah, and we so, have
0: all these standards in fitness, and it's like well, same thing with words. You know, if you see somebody on social media writing a laundry list of like all these you know fluffy words, back it up.
2: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So okay. So if we if we pull if we pull uh, a little further back, you you grew up as an athlete. You played soccer, yeah. uh, and then uh, what happened with your soccer career? Where did you go with it?
0: Not as far as I wanted to, but I never burned out.
2: Tell, so tell so- me everything. I want to know.
0: Okay, I knew the first soccer game I ever played. I scored a hat trick. It was actually four goals. My friends. Dad was the referee. He called one back. And a hat I was trick offsides. is three goals, three goals that
2: you score. I'm
0: sorry. You can't. Yes. You can't be offsides when you're a five year old. Nice try, buddy. Nice try, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bramnick. He's never going to listen to this. Uh, I played in college. Logan
2: <laughs> is in the back right now and he's cracking up. He thinks it's funny.
0: Oh, my God. I'm a character. I'm sorry. No, that's awesome. Um,
2: awesome.
0: I'm just keeping it real. You know,
2: we have a live audience, Logan Gelbrick. Yes. And we're in his. Um, <laughs> uh, this is your 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 kitchen table, basically. Yeah. Or this is your dining table.
0: I feel the support. It yeah, helps me. We're
2: here. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry. <laughs> thank I could, I thank could you, just, Logan. <laughs> I could just see Logan in the back cracking up. It's funny. Uh, continue on, please. Hat trick at five years old.
0: <laughs> yeah. God, we could talk a long story, but basically, I uh, I played very com- on a competitive team, Olympic development programs. Uh, my team was like a nationally ranked club team, whatever that means. We were pretty good. Uh, we won for Virginia. There's this like state championship. Like, literally, we won every single year, except for one year, from the time I was 12 to 19. Wow. So we were crushing it on the state level. Uh, I played in college, Division One at George Mason University. Nice. And uh, the first two seasons, we, like, weren't that successful. And I was like, Ugh, I got to transfer. Like, soccer has been my life. I'm supposed to win a national title here. Uh so I walked down on the track team and I just did another sport in the off season. And what ended up happening is, and this is where kind of rhetoric and motion in this academic and athlete kind of, you know, it's like come together, like it was faded. Uh, track says, hey, you have five years of NCAA eligibility. And because you started your sophomore year, technically, if you got your master's here, you could do one more year of track. And I'm like, oh, I can maximize my like, what am I outside of an athlete? So I'm like, what am I going to ma- get my master's in? Oh, well, communication. That's what your bachelor's is in. I'm like, okay, this is great. Uh, and they're going to cover my first year of grad school. So it turns out I get injured like right away. My body's like <clears throat> done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had stress fractures in both legs in my feet. I mean, it was just like ugly. And so soccer just kind of... <clears throat> Like fizzled. And I was like, okay, maybe this this uh, final year of track in the spring, my body just like was shot. So, what ended up happening is I didn't, I, I got right into coaching soccer actually when I was still a senior. And uh, so, I mean, when I was like 20 years old, 21 years old, got into coaching, there's definitely a progression to go from athlete to coach. Sure. That's a whole different story. Uh, But here's the cool thing about soccer. I played semi-pro again when I was 27. Like literally the club that I coached travel soccer for was like, hey, we have this, um, you know, for like college players, they need a competitive league. Would you like to play? You know, they know I've been doing this CrossFit thing and staying fit. And I'm like, huh, like that would be really cool. So anyway, I play. And I'm like, oh my God, Kimmy, you're making a comeback. Like, you're gonna go pro. Holy shit, you're in better shape than you've been. You see the field better. I can coach from the field. I can teach. It was like all these things together. Uh, And then I got a really bad concussion. Mm. Turns out if you do headers, you know, for like two decades of your life, it adds up. And it doesn't take one big hit, but it's accumulated hits. Uh, And my brain was fuzzy for like three months. I got this like, you know, I told my parents... In my family, I'm like, no, 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 I got to go pro. You don't understand. Like I'll play in Europe for a couple of years, have a career. I never went pro, but now I'm going to go pro. And yeah, we've talked about this too much, but basically I hope you know, and everybody listening can hear, like, I loved it. Like being an athlete is so much part of me, but I got to this space uh, that came at the perfect time of, hey, you're going to lose your brain and your, your ability to function and use that if you chase this dream just to check the box of, hey, I did play pro.
2: Yeah. So if you look at a timeline, uh, basically, you're 27 when you... I was 27. Yeah, you're yeah. 27. But you had gone to uh, school before that. So yeah. wh- what made you choose? You were super into soccer. But what made you choose uh, communication as uh, what you wanted to study?
0: So it's like nature and nurture here. My dad uh, has been a radio broadcast journalist his whole life. Has a great voice. I'm like, I have like a pipsqueak voice. My dad, even like I had a friend who called one time and he's like, it was her birthday, happy birthday. And she's like, oh my God, I just wanted to record it. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) He says like, Kimberly, if I'm in trouble. And I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't work on me. My mom, my mom is a preschool teacher. So there's always been this uh, public speaking but interpersonal communication component that I've always really loved. And I should also share, I gave my first speech speech in fourth grade, like literally my whole body was like electric. I just knew it was my, I was shaking. I think my, it was uh, like on a current event. It was on Michael Jordan. My knees are like buckling (laughs) in front of my class. I had a standing ovation. The kids were like, that was amazing. And really it was just because I was like energetic and passionate about it, but my whole body was buzzing. So I always knew this like communication thing, whether it's public speaking or interpersonal voice articulation, like there's all these like nuances of it that I think are
2: really cool so in fourth grade you had your first experience <laughs> in public speaking you're like this is a thing yeah and you're 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 an athlete and how were you on the team like on the team that you were playing as you were going on what, what was your uh, style of communication with your uh, teammates that's what did a that gr- look like that's a
0: great question um direct so this is where I should say in the context of play and I own this label now yeah I would say I operate like a predator, like a killer, like, yo, we got a job to do. You either do it or you don't. It's very black and white. You don't worry about, oh, you know, like you're hurting my feelings. At the same time, can I swear on this Yeah, you can go.
2: Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out.
0: At the same time, don't be an asshole. You Mm -hmm. know, and I've always been sensitive to like, hey, well, if somebody was yelling at me in that tone, first of all, is that really necessary? You know, and so it becomes kind of binary of like, what is the goal that we're trying to achieve? We're trying to stop the other team from scoring. Mm. Okay, cool. I need to let my teammate know. Hey, you gotta, you know, there's number eighteen. Like, get goal side. Make sure you're marking her. Oh, okay, cool. She drops back. You know, it's not even a big deal.
2: So, were you the captain of the team? I was not the captain.
0: Well, I was always the captain for like high school and kind of like club level teams um, because I ran track. I couldn't. I couldn't be captain.
2: So you you were like the coach was like eligible or something or what was the deal because you had to be there full time.
0: Well, some of the off season training, yeah, I missed. Now here is the interesting thing, and this speaks to labels. uh, Like I operated as a captain, and I was more vocal, and even you know in terms of like when team teammates needed support and all that off the field, just as much if not more as the other captains. You know, so for me it was like I want my team to do well. And I can lead and I don't need to be wearing some band
2: Mm -hmm. that says that you're captain.
0: Yeah. And it was
2: awesome. How how did did was that a struggle for a little bit uh, or did you not care at all?
0: I think it was an ego hit at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just like, yeah, when I'm in that athlete mode, it's like I can't help myself. You should see me at the gym sometime. I just I I cried after workouts. I got to go there.
2: Yeah, Logan spent 20 minutes yesterday telling me what it's like to see you um, after workouts, uh, hiding behind the kegs and then... Okay, but
0: you know what? It's a safe space to go into the ice bath and you just cool off or even go in there when the ice isn't there. I've done that too. Uh-huh. But I, yeah, I kind of have to like... Uh, well, I don't have to, but, it, but if people start saying stuff after, then I just let them know ahead of time, like, hey, it's normal if you see me go in a tub. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it.
2: Yeah, the, cool. the the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, I'm always curious about team dynamics and mm-hmm. how that works, especially when there's someone like you that's so outspoken. You you have clarity. Uh, like when you're playing soccer, you're like, "Hey, we need to we need to play this game. We need to win. This is how we're gonna do it." I see these. Well, and we these, could
0: get into coaching now with high school. Yeah, I kind
2: I kind of want to get get into that right. Yeah. Now. Uh, but anyway, so you. You, you weren't captain. There was a little bit of an ego thing. How, do you remember how you overcame that?
0: Uh, the emphasis is, was on just like playing. I, I think because it was my senior year, I knew it was the last year. And I, I was never sad. I was just like, this is awesome. Like, I feel really good. And I might sound silly, but I've always just had this like soccer swag. I step on the field like, yeah, watch
2: out yeah you kind, know, of, kind for, of ready to kill
0: for better or for worse i'm gonna back it up yeah and if i don't that's on me and my team had our best season uh my senior year we made it to the semifinals of the conference tournament uh unfortunately we lost in pks uh but i made my pk i did what i could and yeah like i have i have no regrets about that
2: that's cool That's cool. And then, so as you continued to play and then eventually got into coaching, how did what you learned as a player translate to your coaching? And then how did your communications degree fit into that?
0: I mean, it all lends itself. A big thing about coaching, uh, two things right away that are really important that you learn pretty quick. Because ultimately the nice thing about like sport is it's measurable. You win the game or you don't. Now, I don't care about your feelings. I mean, I, I do, but it's easier to uh, kind of where do we go next based on the results that you get. So the first thing as a coach is you need to drop your baggage at the door. Your experiences will lend itself to giving better advice and in the context of the situation. Because I played a soccer game, because I know what a high-pressure playoffs game feels like, hey, I can communicate a little more directly, but in a way that gives my players something tangible. To focus on. So rather than saying like, you need to pick it up. It's like, hey, I need you to make this run across the field when the center mids are getting the ball. Like we, we, you need to get the ball ahead of the defenders, not behind them. Okay. They're sitting back or whatever it is. Uh, and then it's like, oh, cool. I can process this. And then the second thing, and this is what I think a lot of coaches can forget, uh, is it's not about you. If you're doing your job, as you should, then you know you let the players have the spotlight and perform their job. Because as a coach, you're not on the field. You're not on the court. You're not doing the workout for your athletes. And respect that space, empower who you're teaching and coaching with your words, right? in a way that empowers them, not just in the moment, but gives them a toolkit outside. So even when one of my soccer players isn't around me, And let's say she's doing off-season training in her head. She's like, you know, Kimmy would say just one more, like, stay focused. Here we go. Like, oh my God, that's a powerful thing. So it takes a little bit of time to separate from this athlete of like me, 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 like crushing it, ego. I love this, uh, into, hey, I'm the coach and how cool is it that I get to help my players maximize their performance and not just individually, but collectively. And that's complex and that's a really fun game to play. And you can play that game your whole
1: life.
2: Yeah, that's and that's huge. And I think that's something that I, I, I assume anyone who's listening, whether it's as a family member or uh, Thanks, a, Mom. a CEO or a, anyone who everyone. Ha, everyone, right? Has to uh, ca- or can benefit from being aware of these tools. Yes. And I find that fascinating that uh communication is something that, for example, for me growing up, we didn't learn anything about communication in school ever. It was not a subject.
0: And I wish, it, I so wish it was a, a high school subject. And
2: how, how, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think we we haven't made it part of our foundation? It's kind of like the most basic form of
0: I think there's a bias. There's like a bias towards the sciences and uh, like conceptually speaking, you know, communication is one of the humanities. It's a social science. It kind of stems out of like sociology and psychology. And so some people think that's a little foo-foo and it's not, I mean, there, there's, but it's a newer discipline than something like quantum physics or chemistry, or you know what I mean? Like algebra, that kind of thing. Um, but the cool thing about communication, the more you study it is that it's always relevant. Like, you know, we train fitness, we train fitness, like not to be, well, maybe you want to be the best CrossFitter and that's cool. That's a specific goal, but we train fitness to be more capable movers. You can do more with your life. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to go on a hike this weekend? Like you won't die two miles in, you know, like you can carry all five bags of groceries up the stairs, not a big deal. And yet we, we talk to each other every day, but we don't have a platform to practice that communication. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, mm. There's something there.
2: For sure. Did you ever teach or coach your athletes to communicate amongst each other? Yes. What, what would you do with them? Or what would you see and what would you try to uh, instill in terms of changes?
0: So a lot of it comes back to the first thing that we even talked about. it. Are you going to react or not react? And now that I'm taking this NLP, I know that it also factors in. Uh, there's a reframing that goes on. And especially when you're working in a team sport, you know, not even a team sport on an individual level, when you have a goal and it's results-based, even though, you know, the process, like everyone looks back and they're like, oh, but the process, like, yeah, absolutely. That's the gold right there in and of itself. But we can use this results thing to motivate us and drive us to get better and better. And basically- All my athletes, you know, it always came down to either individually or team-wise. How can we be productive with this thing? So it it, it's almost like cut the bullshit, cut the chit chat. I'm not here to be like, Carl, how was your day? You know, like I'm like, tell me about life. Like, how did the workout this morning feel? You know, or that's not even a great example, but but with players who you know, it's girls, high school girls ever been around them? There's a bitchiness. So it's like, hey, cut that off. Like we're winning 2-0 right now. Or hey, it's 0-0, like I don't wanna hear it. How can we be more productive? So anytime that there was this like negative spiral, it's like, no, 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 knock it off. And you create a culture of, we're just not gonna feed the negative or the thing that's not constructive. And we're only gonna feed the constructive. And then that just lends itself to like this upward spiral yeah and, and that, it's a really cool place to be in.
2: it really is. And you know something that I've found is that um for some people, uh, when they interact with very effective communicators, because they're so direct and precise, sometimes it's taken as um, uh, almost like they don't have any empathy or compassion for you. And at times, because it's so direct and maybe it's really acknowledging what they're observing, yeah. Uh, it, it can come off as harsh or negative uh, even. So how do we distinguish between positive and neg- negative? Because it sounds like you, you want to be positive in a way where you're becoming proactive and productive yeah. and eliminating the negative. But for some people, uh, positive, effective communication is perceived as negative or an attack or, hey, I don't care about your feelings. H- how, do we, how do we manage that? What does that look like?
0: Well, and this is where it's contextual And so we have this thing, and I know I've shared this with you before, but we have positive face and negative face. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to politeness theory. Okay. So positive face is like, Hey, I want to say what I want to say, but I want to say it in a way that you look at me and you're like, Kimmy, we're still friends. And you feel as Carl, like I feel good about myself. And then there's negative face where I want to be able to say what I want to say. Like Carl, your microphone smells and you, it doesn't smell. (laughs) I'm just, that's what I thought of. Okay. (laughs) And, and, uh, And like, that kind of hurts your feelings a little bit. You're like, I just got all this new equipment. Like, okay, so you don't feel so great about it, but you also have a need for negative face of like, I want to be able to say what I want to say. Kimmy, you wore that tank top today. Like you look like a trash bag. I I don't know, okay. Mm -hmm. And, And we have to balance these two things. And so it's not necessarily, this is positive and this is negative, but we have to come to an agreement in the context of every relationship or situation that what is productive right now what is the goal that we're trying to achieve what is what are the needs that we're trying to have met and we need to use that as our standard as our anchor for what positive and negative really is because if it's your goal to you know have the heaviest front squat and i notice that your form is not as optimal as it could be. And you're training super, super hard. It's like, yeah, I see your effort. And this is where this positive and negative can kind of get messy sometimes is is we get so consumed with the effort versus, okay, but what is the goal? What is the result that we're actually after? And the interesting thing here is as much as we want it to be black and white, positive, negative on the surface, surface level and being able to use our rhetoric uh, from you know, even be able to type an article about it or something like that. It depends on the situation and it requires collaboration between two people and it requires dialogue. And for all the type A go-getters, like, I want to prove my point. I want to conquer. That doesn't serve that there. And that's when somebody can come across as uh, that's kind of abrasive or that kind of negative. Well, that person's probably speaking in a way that just kind of serves them. Like, it felt good for me to explode on you right here or tell you I don't like this microphone. But that's that's not dialogue. You know what I mean? So I think it becomes a lot more clear when we focus on the conversation and who we're with. And in that space, you can you can hold a directness and a compassion at the same time. And one of the you know main things of Rhetoric and Emotion that I hope to share with everybody is it's about connection. It's not about me proving my point. Or, or if it is about me proving a point or trying to boast or show off about something, mm, we're getting into kind of like a, a moral dilemma here. Because then if I'm just trying to brag or boast or, hey, look at me, then people are gonna look at me as if they're less than, or not even less than, but she's done that thing and ooh, look at her. And it's like, hold on, it's not about that. When we share a conversation and you're telling me about your life or something really great or really bad that happened and I can hear that and I hear that for you, it's like, now this compassion can live and this feels right versus you like, This is what I did and blah, 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 blah. And I don't really care what you think about it, but I'm just going to tell you that anyway.
2: Right. And this is kind of what you were alluding to earlier, which is like, I don't want your seven steps to success right now. Yeah.
0: I want you to be with me right here. And then, you know, based on if we're in the context of sports, we have something that we're trying to hit. There's a standard. There's a result that we're after. But then there's this other really cool space that maybe we don't explore enough of like, I'm open to wherever this conversation goes. Because I like to talk to you. I enjoy being around you. Like, how cool is that? This is a game that we're open to surprise because this conversation can go wherever it goes. Right. That's enjoyable.
2: It's amazing. And the conversation can lead to the the outcomes that you want or maybe even better need. Yeah. Right? Which and is it, so cool.
0: More fulfilling.
2: Yes. And I guess there's structure to it, you know. As as you were speaking, I was I was getting flashbacks from when I did gymnastics awesome. and how um, we if we would start practice. Let's, let's say we started practice uh, evening practice at six p.m. We would show up at 5.45, and from 5.45 to 6 p.m., everyone was just kind of messing around, and the coaches were maybe talking to each other and maybe talking to individuals if it was something personal. And then at 6 o'clock on the dot, we would all line up shoulder to shoulder, small to tall, and then the tone and the way Mm. that the coaches would communicate to us changed. And all of a sudden, it was more stoic, more uh, direct. This is what we're going to do, very matter-of-fact. Bam, go, go time. Awesome. Practice happens, and then of course, there's individual and collective communication that's happening, you know, and sometimes it gets crazy. like I had a coach who would like throw shoes at us and stuff because he would get so frustrated, mm-hmm. but it, it was all out of you it know it adds
0: to the story. It
2: totally adds to the story. And then at 10 p.m, when we finish practice, there will be another It is a long day, especially when you're 10, 11, 12. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, I thinking back at it right now, I'm like 10 p.m. You were a at, superhero. It's crazy. Yeah. I would go to bed at midnight and then have to wake up at six to go to school. Wow. And, it's, and anyways, I don't want to get into that. But what I was we trying to say. We can get into
0: a whole NLP thing there of how it's normal. So it's really. You know, exactly. Right? But, but yeah. Uh,
2: I didn't know. Uh, I like to go to bed at nine. <laughs> no, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I've turned
0: into this like, oh, an earlier bedtime is nice. Grandma,
2: yeah. Grandma Kimmy. Yeah. Um, so. At ten, boom, we would line up again. Same kind of conversation, but more constructive about what had happened. And then uh, from ten to ten, you know, ten to 10, 10, or whatever. Those ten minutes as you're leaving, then it's back to the original conversation. Uh, so there's there's having structure is important too. Yes. Right. And
0: and structure to be unstructured as well. Mm. There's a space for both. But that's such a that's such a great example of turning the switch into different spaces of communication. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can come off as like, oh, they're being super harsh or like someone's two-faced. You know, she can be so playful, but then she's a killer, you know, in the gym and and cold and stoic. Like, no, we have the capacity to be all these different things. And within the context, that's going to like necessitate different faces and communication and all that. And that's a cool
2: thing. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Super cool. I, I just think it's important for people who are listening to realize that communication uh, can be practiced and that there can be structure. You can create yes. structure, and maybe you can have like pre-game, during game, post-game. Absolutely. And and this happens at work, at home, anywhere.
0: Yes. Yes. And to add to that, right there, can we become aware enough to take inventory of where we feel most effective? and satisfied with our communication. Maybe it's in personal relationships, but maybe you're not really satisfied or you don't feel comfortable talking to your boss at work. Maybe you feel uncomfortable during workouts and you need scaling, but you don't ask for it. It's like, oh my God, there's room for growth right there. And if we can heighten our awareness of all these different environments for communication, whether it's you know at work, home, personal, okay? Or if it's in the gym, at work, you know, like wherever it is, public speaking, interpersonal communication, group dynamics with people you like, with people you don't like, all these things, just like different uh, workouts you could have. You need to squat heavy, you need to know your gymnastics, your monostructural movements, like, oh, there are all these different uh, modalities that we can practice. And it's easier to practice these things and more fun to practice these things than you would think. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, I don't want to say gossiping, but it's, but it's talking about all the, the fun things to talk about Yes, that we think we should push to the side. And I'm like, no, go there. It's fun.
2: Mm -hmm. And how do you go there? I have several things I want to ask you right now, but how do you go there without becoming judgmental? Because there's a difference between being judgmental, uh, and being discerning. Where's the line drawn there? And
0: again, it's going to be contextual. Right. Uh, but if you can come, but if
2: we if we let's, let's say if we we anchored this uh, this question that I just asked you in yeah. awareness, which is kind of where where we started earlier, you have to okay. be aware enough to realize whether you're judging something or you're uh, being discerning because you're trying to figure out what to do with it. Right. How, how, what does that awareness look like? Feel like?
0: Well, and this is where it's going to be based on uh, relationships. And relationships could be defined as a mutual interdependence of one another. So what I say and do matters to you, what you say and do matters to me. Okay, boom, now I can step in. Now let's let's engage in, first of all, if you're doing behavior that I think could harm you or harm people around you, Ah, And I don't want to use the word intervention, but I mean engagement here. It's time to step in. And when I come from that place of we do have this relationship, you know that what you do and say matters to me and I care about you, you can acknowledge that. You have the awareness to acknowledge that. And I have the awareness to acknowledge that, hey, I care about you and this is why I'm saying this thing. I'm pointing out this thing that I think could hurt you or other people. Mm -hmm. And now we have this acceptance of one another where maybe I say something that feels... Judgmental to you, but I can come back and say, Hey, but I was worried about you. I didn't want you to fall. You know, you're doing backflips off on the beach pier again. Carl, I don't want you to hurt yourself. That pier is taller than the one back at home. And then you can say, Yeah, but I'm fine. I've landed. Okay, boom. Now we're having a dialogue. We're having a conversation. I respect what you say and do because what I said at you wasn't a one and done thing. And this is where I could get into this whole throw boomerangs not daggers Mm -hmm. i don't want to throw a truth bomb at you like carl don't jump off the pier okay hold on a second you know carl do you think jumping off this pier because it is 10 feet taller like do you think it might be a little more dangerous do you feel comfortable with that and if you're like shit you're right like it's probably not worth it i shouldn't be jumping off the pier right into pistols like what was I thinking? Do it for the gram, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is no, a, no it makes this sense. is a crazy example sense. now. Or hey, thanks for caring about me, but it's cool. Versus, you see someone that you have never met before on the beach jumping off the pier, and maybe jumping off the pier isn't a, isn't a great thing. But maybe let's let's take a walk on the Venice Boardwalk, see some interesting characters. But the cool thing about you walk down the Venice Boardwalk is you can see other people that you've never met living a very different life, saying things, moving their bodies, or whatever it is that's radically different from who you are and what you typically like to do. And you can choose not to engage, but just to acknowledge as, hey, you're another human being. You have needs and wants that need to be met. To remember through NLP that every behavior has a positive intent behind it. Think about that. Even when we are like yelling, like, oh, I'm waiting for my Starbucks coffee. Like, could you hurry up? There was a positive intent behind that. You really want your coffee. Maybe you're in a rush to get to a podcast. You know, so we start to have this compassion for each other that is always there, always accessible if we can just have the basic awareness to look at other human beings as just like we are, you know, wants and needs that... Need to be met. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's huge, and I think when it comes to parenting, for example, for me, uh, one thing that I've learned is that your your behaviors don't define you.
0: Yes, that's another tenet of NLP.
2: It's it's such huge. a great point, and I think if, if I think that's kind of what you're saying is, don't judge yourself for you know we make mistakes. We're going to say yes. some effed up shit. So, it, okay. Take ownership of it. Yes.
0: And, and do you have the space and are you aware enough to make sure that you're reflecting on these things? Because it's action and reflection. You can't just live in one and not the other.
2: Which seems to be almost like the foundation of rhetoric. Yes. So kind of going back to where we started when I asked you, what is rhetoric? Mm-hmm. And you said it's uh, being able to see both sides of a question mm-hmm. or uh, a conversation Uh, at once it's it's if we can do that ourselves yes then we are practicing we are putting rhetoric in motion
0: yes and that's a that's a level of fitness with your communication that you can cultivate and build and it takes it's not oh i got it no it takes time but the more you practice it just like the more hours of communicate, or gymnastics practice you go to, the more hours of soccer that I play, all of a sudden we do get to this place where there is this mastery that we reach. And obviously mastery is subjective,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: But this place where what we know and what we apply and rhetoric, which could even be reduced down even more, you know, you make uh, lemonade out of lemons. No, here's the lemonade concentrate of rhetoric. It's word choice. And the coolest space to be in And it it could be contextual. It's not necessarily an all the time thing, but to have this unconscious competence about your word choice and to be very in tune with not just the words that you're choosing, but how you're saying, who the relationship, right? who are you communicating to, why you're communicating it. Uh, All these little pieces come into play and it's like, it just happens without even thinking about it which takes time because you know go back to the learning model when you're unconsciously incompetent i mean everybody knows it right then you become aware of your incompetence then you're conscious of your competence and this is where a lot of people live because oh i've i've read these books or i know this knowledge or oh that truth bomb was so awesome yeah it was so awesome but you know it would be more awesome if you stopped talking and quoting how awesome this knowledge and education you got was and just put it in the everyday conversation. Like show me your rhetoric, emotion.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: That's
0: the highest expression of it.
2: Yeah, so application is huge. It's everything. And you know what's so cool is that um, this podcast, the Freestyle Way is all about uh, celebrating people's unique styles and ways Mm -hmm. of doing things. And I think that is kind of the the call to action, It's, it's great. You figured out that you need some help. You went and read the 50 self-help books.
0: And it's part of the process. Do that. Awesome.
2: But now you need to put it into play.
0: Yeah.
2: But you actually need to put it into play. And I think that is so important. And I want to give the audience an example of how I've done it with my wife, who I work with.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. So
2: on work hours... Uh, Let's see what you think about this. Actually, I I think I've told you this before, but um, when I approach Tanya, if she's sitting on her computer, uh, I say, uh, permission to request information. And it sounds so robotic, but being able to preface what you're about to deliver on uh, gives the person you're talking to a second to say yes or no. Structure, purpose. Very simple. Super simple. Requesting information (laughs) or uh, requesting permission to uh, brainstorm Mm -hmm. or here's a call to action. Yes. And we've learned that by being a little robotic at first, it it helps us uh, feel safe.
0: And who's to say what's robotic anyway? Maybe our perception and what pop culture looks as, oh, that's robotic Actually, it's more efficient. And aren't we all after the strategies and tools that like help us live our lives more efficiently but also like effectively and in a way that's satisfying? And with communication, it's all about connection. So saying permission to brainstorm, permission to kiss you on the cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, like, cool. Now we know there's no ambiguity. This isn't a cold play song. We don't need that doesn't serve us here,
2: right. But but then there's also time to there's be the other side right to it.
0: Absolutely. Which is so cool, and I love that as well.
2: And it's good to create space for that
0: mm-hmm.
2: And I think when when you know Logan was sitting here behind us and, and we were talking a little bit about you being captain and then coaching and mm-hmm. having this leadership position, Logan is someone who would say that the highest level of leadership is culture. yeah. But to instill a culture, you have to instill uh, a methodology or a practice or a way of doing things that requires structure. It requires you checking the boxes. Yes. And I feel like that's what we're kind of talking about right now. And in the 50 minutes that we've been talking here, we haven't given people uh, really uh, a method. Yeah. So what, I- what is the take-home in terms of, oh, why should people care about communication? Why should people care about rhetoric? How can they start practicing it?
0: Yeah, so two things here. Uh, One, just like anything else, I want everybody to become their own chef. Okay, I'm not going to give you all the recipes, but I will give you all the ingredients and I can show you the different methods. And then it's on you to go practice. Not because there's some seven-step program that says you're going to practice a new recipe every day. No, 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 you're going to practice because you inherently want to get better. Otherwise, just don't do the thing. Uh, I'm trying to remember (laughs) my other side of that. Uh, But, you know, like how can people put these things into play? Um, Do you, and this was the second thing I meant to say, do you plan to live a life in the mountains by yourself? If yes, this doesn't apply to you. If no, which I think is most of us here, then you have to respect and honor not the fact but the reality that your life will be around other people and <clears throat> there's this human condition that craves connection that would make sense to you know practice that and communication is one of the bridges to that connection and then i also want people just from a fundamental standpoint to expand their idea of what communicating is because we start with rhetoric. That's a piece of it, but rhetoric might as well be classified as weightlifting in the whole being physically fit spectrum It's only a piece of it. So not just verbally the words that we're saying, but non-verbally the expressions that we're using. Uh, also, you know, we could get all into pitch tone, volume rate, whatever. And I, I love talking about voice and articulation I talk public speaking and interpersonal communication uh but there are multiple layers here of <clears throat> excuse me of rhetoric and communication and practicing them and one of them is the words themselves the second one would be interpersonal dynamics then we need to look into the context what is the situation is this for uh, a set result? Or is this just free form for play? And then I also want people to keep in mind that let communication serve you. Uh, let let rhetoric serve you. And with that being said, we don't need to create unnecessary baggage or communication or rhetoric towards things that we're really not interested in. Now, don't be ignorant if something's impacting your life and it might not be something that you want, but people around you are talking about it or, you know, just your civic duty to know what's, what's going on in the world. Like I'm not saying close off to that, but I am saying if you can double down and be constructive with your language and and practicing your interpersonal communication, uh, how literate you are with, with words, interaction, understanding the context your awareness where you are you know how what you're saying and doing could be seen as positive or negative whatever if you can put that funnel it more so into the things that you genuinely inside want to do things are going to like explode pretty quick but if you bombard yourself which is hard now in our society we have access to so much information it's hard to filter all of it if you don't find a way to filter into what you genuinely are like compelled to go want to do, then there's an emptiness, there's an artificial component to like developing your communication for that, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, 100%. If, if I were the listener right now, I would rewind two minutes listen to that again, and then take notes on the bullet points of what you said. Yeah. And then go and explore every aspect of those things. Yes, I think that that would be huge. And then the other thing I was thinking about is uh, what I was hearing and reading in between the lines is that there's something about simplicity. Yes. And being able to um, live at different levels at different times. And if we went back to the beginning of our conversation where you asked me about the ice bath... Mm-hmm. The ice bath requires one to be simple because you're only thinking about maybe one or two things. You're thinking about controlling your breath, mm-hmm. you're thinking about uh, not uh, wanting to jump out of the ice bath, actually allowing you to sit there. Yeah, uh, you're not hearing voices of other people. you're listening to yourself.
0: Well, and that's where like that's where flow happens. When, you know, we can process only so many bits of information, but when you can find the sweet spot, the groove to just be focused on like a couple things and your interest level and your ability level, your engagement level is high enough that you're just like so in that thing, I'm sorry, raise your hand if you think flow doesn't feel good. Yeah, nice try. So we can curate a culture where we're all operating in more flow. This is where we need structure though, because we could have a four hour coffee conversation if we're in flow. Right. But uh, creating structure so that we can enjoy this flow.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Man, I feel like we we went a little bit all over the place,
0: which is me. I'm sorry. No, no, it's awesome.
2: It's awesome. I I, I love it. And I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is that rhetoric is something that is constantly in motion, like you say. Yes. And that it's not one thing but it requires you to become aware of the one thing that is right now so you can start seeing yes. all parts of it
0: the better you get at that in context in you know one situation can lend itself to other situations and then can also lend itself to if you know what uh, you really like and how to operate in that situation you know then you're like okay well why couldn't i apply this to things I, I don't like, because, you know, hey, reality check, everybody, there's going to be people that you don't jive with, and you need to deal with that. And and it kind of comes back to with rhetoric and motion that we can actually train for this thing, we can develop this thing. And just like fitness, which I would love to use as, a, as an analogy here, you're going to embrace discomfort in order to grow with that. Well, same thing with having the conversation with your boss, or your spouse, where like, hey, this is kind of uncomfortable to bring this up, like this thing that you're doing that makes me feel uncomfortable. But by being more specific and direct and saying that to you, rather than being passive aggressive or focusing on the negative and feeding into the negative with communication, which isn't productive, I can lean into that discomfort and then realize on the other side of it, oh, like that felt good to just say it rather than not talk about it. You know, like if you ever talk about people who are all meeting for something and maybe everybody gets in the same traffic jam and they show up and it's like, oh my gosh, I was so worried. I went on this back road, you know, or I skipped coffee or just the camaraderie that, you know, like the, the conversation that can build when everybody is just honest. And that's another big part of it. Being simple, but also being honest, it feels good. And I think just follow that feel rather than trying to build walls around it or avoid it because that doesn't really serve you. Just like, hey, you could say, oh, I'm doing squats or I don't like running. I love running, so this isn't a great example. But, (laughs) uh, you know, like, oh, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but how are you going to feel after that? And so now we could even go into, and I won't, but NLP of how you can frame that, you can timeline that so that you put it. In a way that the person you're you're talking to can package it and feel it in a way that you know kind of gives them hope, but something that they can see the trajectory of where things are going instead of kind of ruminate and go in this downward spiral of oh, but what if this happens? No, what if this great thing happens and it's going to happen, and you need to focus on that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So people have to build up the courage also to to move. Toward- Towards wanting to communicate at a higher level.
0: Yes, and applying it in context. Mm-hmm. So this is where there's kind of a pitfall because people say, okay, well, I will speak up about what bothers me. Are you speaking up through an Instagram post that is generic and going out to all these people where we're like, you must be upset about something, right? Or are you bringing that conversation to the person that, hey, this thing that you said hurt me, and yeah, like, where can we go from here? Instead of saying you, 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 where can we go from here? That's that's brave. That's gonna lend itself to now that you've established that connection. If you do choose and you can in the digital world to project it to a larger audience, this overarching lesson, wow, there's like, there's integrity to it. There's like this genuine component to it. So that's where taking action are you taking action in context or are you taking action in, you know, this like abstract, very academic setting that's in your own glass house that may sound and look really impressive. Oh, that rhetoric is so well, you know, chosen and articulated. Cool, but like actually apply it. See how it feels there and then learn. And it doesn't have to be perfect.
2: Yeah, I love that. I, I-, I think that relates really well to... A quote that I like using—that's my own—which is uh, that human performance is measured by feel.
0: Yeah, I love that. Right.
2: That if it feels right, then the numbers will will follow. Like yes. The, the the action, the behavior, the change will follow, and I feel like that that aligns so well, which is so cool. Freestyle. Yeah, and and to kind of bring this all to like a a nice little wrap up. Mm-hmm. What's the message? What What does Kimmy Moss? want the world to know not about rhetoric, not about fitness, just what's the message? What do you want people to know? What what do you encourage people to do?
0: I encourage people to live out loud. And what I mean by that, and this is just the framing that works for me, uh, is curating and cultivating this playfulness that is fun for whatever it is that you do. So my thing is like, I'm here to like encourage you to play games, like use your energy, don't sit on the sidelines observing the thing that you're really impressed or interested in or sitting on the sidelines and associating yourself with this thing that you're really interested in. Like find the games that you can step on the field or in the arena. And experience that because that's where it's going to feel like, oh, I'm doing something with this. That's where you're going to feel most fulfilled, whether you are the best at the thing or the worst at the thing. If you're playing, it's enjoyable. Like it's fun to play games. And, you know, I just kind of bring it back to it's easy to get wrapped up in trying to say the perfect things or do the perfect things. Or, you know, before you do something that you've never done before, it can be really scary. But if you just sit there paralyzed by your own fear, what a, what a like, wasted opportunity because as soon as you start doing it and you jump in and you play, you're like, wait, I was scared. No, because you're doing it. So let's talk less about all these things and just do and play them more. And also read Finite and Infinite Games if you haven't.
2: Because that book go. is
0: like, mm, killing it.
2: Spot on. That's amazing. And and you can attest to that. You've lived that. I mean, this is not something we've talked about, but you left your teaching job and your coaching job. And you yeah, drove across. Yeah, we won acro-
0: states. I said bye.
2: Yeah, and you drove across <laughs> the country and you moved out to California. Yeah. To pursue the, playing the game that you have been watching from the sidelines.
0: Yes. Well, and, and upping it. So upping my game. And that's the other part of it is like, you can't just you'll never you're never gonna arrive at the one thing like, oh, I played college soccer. Oh, I, you know, taught college communication, my team won, won states for high school. Okay, it's time to play the entrepreneur game, Kimmy. And I am stepping into that now. But maybe for you it's like, you know, I own this business, now it's now it's time to make this business even bigger. And you can and you should because it's the thing that you love to do and it's gonna grow
2: and evolve. That's awesome. How, how can people follow you, support you? Where where should they go? I'm such a goofball. Come on, uh, just tell it. So us.
0: I'm on Instagram, Kimmy Moss. There's a period in between my first and last name. And then uh, Rhetoric Emotion is at Rhetoric Emotion. Um, I just started a Rhetoric Emotion podcast. Boom. Uh, so basically, I'll sh- I'll share my thoughts on some basic things. But if, if people are interested in, like, hey, I want to know more about this communication thing, go scroll through Rhetoric Emotion. Uh, and not just the post, but like go click on the stories that I've archived. There, there's some you know, food for thought there.
2: Yes. Yeah, I, I, I highly encourage people to go do that. I, I'm an avid listener. Uh, I'm halfway through your podcast. Cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a proud reviewer. <laughs> yes! So guys, go thank rate, you. review. That helps so much. Follow at Rhetoric in Motion mm-hmm. and at Kimmy.Moss. Yep. Kimmy, thank you.
0: Thank you, This Carl. has been awesome. This has been fun.
2: Let's wrap it up yeah. with a little.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did it.
2: <laughs> awesome. Thank you. We did it.
1: And there you have it, my friends. That was Kimmy Moss, who you can find at kimmy.moss on Instagram or at rhetoric in motion. And if you enjoy this episode, you know what to do go rate, review, leave a comment, subscribe. And take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast. Take a selfie, post it on stories, and tag us at CarlPowley, at Kimmy.Moss, and at rhetoric in Motion. And then also, do me a favor. Start sending me some voice messages. Ask me some questions. Or you can answer the following question. What is it that drives you to continue to pursue the things that you care about the most? If you can message me with an answer to that question on Instagram or through the Anchor app, you can be featured in future episodes. I want to start knowing what is it that drives you to continue to pursue the things that you love. And if you can answer that in a way that's compelling, in a way that fits in with future episodes, I'm going to start featuring you guys here on the Freestyle Way Podcast. And this is just another way for me to connect with you guys, which is the most important part of this podcast. And I tell you this because even with my guests, one of the things that has inspired me the most has been hearing the messages that they have been receiving after being listened to on this podcast, not me receiving the messages, them receiving the messages And the fact that they are able to connect with you guys makes this podcast bigger than myself, and it makes me want to do even more for it. And it makes me realize how important it is that we get connected, which we can do over social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, on YouTube, or through the Anchor app There are multiple ways of doing it, but it's bigger than myself now, and we are only in episode 12. Imagine what's going to happen in episode 13, 14, 15, 100. Where can we take this? And the only way we'll know is if we all get involved and engaged. So if you answer that question, voice message me. Send me a voice note, and then that voice note may be featured in a future episode. You can become a guest on this show, which to me, sounds really exciting because this is ultimately why I do this, It's to connect with you guys and to share some valuable information and have a great excuse to talk to wonderful people. So my friends, that was episode 12 with Kimmy Moss. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. And I will catch you guys next week for episode 13. Peace.